I think it's because a lot of us, when we enter, we may not have the experience and we may not have the resources or the um, anyone who's mastered it. We, we didn't really get that education in order to, you know, really properly present. And, Property, properly present ourselves as, you know, an asset to that property manager. Because when you have these empty apartments, right, why would they not want to rent it to you, you know? So put yourself in their shoes. They wouldn't want to rent it to you if they think you're just going to go and slap it on a platform and there's going to be parties and ragers and then it's, it's going to be destroyed, mm. right? Because when you turn on the news, the most highlighted Airbnbs are the ones where there are shootouts, Right. So that's the last thing that they need is someone bringing in, you know, a party or someone bringing in a disturbance. You're listening to the Rich State of Mind show, the podcast made to make you the total package in the entrepreneurial world and give you what we call a rich state of mind. If you are here looking to learn about real estate investing, marketing, elevating your business and developing your mindset to get to the next level, then you are at the right place. Stay tuned and be sure to join our community on richstateofmind.com. Now here's your host, Anthony Ritchie. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Rich State of Mind. We're talking to Rachel Gainsbrew. Rachel and I are talking about short-term rentals more and to be more specific, we're talking about her luxury short-term rentals that she produces. These short-term rentals have been able to produce for her over six figures in annual income. Uh, this is a massive because it hasn't taken her as, you know, 20, 30, 50 units to do this. She has done this with a small amount uh, of rentals in comparison for those of us that use long-term rental platform like myself. So, be a all while she's doing mind you she's doing this all while still working her w2 job so i think this episode will be a pretty informative a different way to look at real estate investing outside of the uh more common putting your 25 percent down conventional loan fha loan va loan uh doing it that way you can also look at doing it the way rachel describes as well to get the cash flow that you desire Hey, Rachel, thanks for taking the time on this Saturday evening. If you could please tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do. All right. Thank you so much for having me. And I am so grateful for spaces like this. So everyone who's listening, I really hope you can share this with your friends, family, those who definitely would need to hear about this opportunity because the future is ours, guys. So my name is Rachel. I'm a pharmacist by day, a real estate investor by night. And I live and invest out of the Georgia area, along with a few other areas as well. I'm a mom, uh, a wife. I've got two boys, so super, super busy. And I still work my W-2, so more than busy, but thrilled to be here to share with others the opportunities that are out there. Awesome. So let's uh, thank you so much, too, for um, I think this is going to be a great topic. Like I spoke about earlier before we started recording, uh, talking about short term rentals. Uh, and even I also want to talk about a little bit about your your student loan. You talked about your student loan debt in your bio as far as having 500K. Right. And then now with fast forward 10 years later, uh, explain that process. You getting your a degree, you paying down your debt. What what things did you do? Was real estate investing a part of that? No, sadly, it was not. Um, so I was indoctrinated, so to speak, in the school of thought where, you know, you had to pay off all of your debt before you can start investing. So we plowed away at that for years and years and years. My husband and I, it was an accumula accumulation really of both of our student loans. And so just working overnights, working extra jobs within our field, outside of our field, extra hours just to get that under control because it was really massive. And, and there is a major student loan debt problem in, in our country. And so that lack of financial literacy, and it's not, you know, I'm not pointing fingers, it's no one's to blame, but I wish I knew more. You know, I wish I understood more of what I was getting into. What we were sold was more like, oh, you're going to be, you know, making great salary, you know, graduate, but then you have taxes and you have expenses and you go out and you buy the big cars because that's what's expected of you. 
And mm -hmm. so the big house, custom built, all of the things. And then you look around and you're like, oh my gosh, my student loan debt is drowning me. And it's way more than my mortgage. So lots of bad decisions for sure. But once we got that under control, we definitely thought to ourselves, okay, oh, wow. You know, what next? What should we be doing next to start accelerating our savings? Because at that point we had no savings. Um, the student loans were under control, nearly paid off, but there was no savings, no college savings. We'd had two kids at that point. So just really grinding it out. And so it sounds like you did like the Dave Ramsey way. And you talk about and it's, uh, you make the 50,000 that I paid off in three years sounds like a small potatoes into what y'all was able to tackle. So big uh, kudos to you. I'm pretty sure if if you had uh, submitted your your accomplishment, they probably would have posted you on their website. <laughs> <laughs> well, we had a big shovel, which was great, but the hole was very large. So like he says, it's, it's context and it's ratios and it's the perspective, right? Big shovel, but big hole for sure. And yeah, and that makes me think also about your return on your investment. Um, so you paying for your uh, school, uh, whether it was the student loans or out of pocket, is your investment for your, uh, obviously for your, your future careers. So is the return on investment worth it? Is spending $50,000 on college worth the job that I'm about, is about to pay me 45 grand a year? Probably not. You know, you got can you pay you could you pay your degree off in five years that's kind of how i look at that's my rule of thumb when it comes to refinances so that's why i say five years uh so that's just something for people to think about you know hey what's your return on investment on anything you invest in even your schooling uh you do got youtube university <laughs> i wouldn't do that for pharmaceutical stuff though or anything that involves uh anything medical but uh so what got y'all into real estate investing well we were looking to see where can we leverage you know, our funds going forward. So where can we leverage our savings in order to get some type of, like you said, return of investment, that's gonna be a little bit more accelerated than you know, just placing it under the bed you know, cushions or placing it in a bank and the savings account. And so what we gravitated to really was real estate. Real estate is something that's, I wouldn't say it's easy, but it's something that's tangible. We can see it, we can touch it, we understood it. Um, unlike some of the newer, you know, fun looking um, crypto type of investments. So we, we just hung our hat on real estate. You know, we, we still um, subscribe to the, you know, we invest in what we understand. Exactly. <laughs> so we understood real estate. But then when we were looking at the returns, I mean, we looked at everything from wholesaling all the way to multifamily syndications and the whole life cycle in between. And so when we were looking at all of all of the different factors and the different aspects, the barrier to entry in the multifamily was really, you know, what um, it took us aback a bit because it's, it was very, you know, it's very expensive to enter into multifamily. Syndication is a skill in and of itself where you're raising money, raising capital and all of that stuff. So that requires a network and a skill set that we yet did not have. Wholesaling um, requires hours that we didn't have, hours in the day that we didn't have. So we, we thought, okay, we would purchase a property and we would be landlords. But then when we saw the three, four, five hundred dollars a month return and the level of effort that it would take to get those types of returns and that the types of returns that my colleagues were getting, we're like, oh, my goodness, is this is going to be a long haul, you know? However, when we looked at short term rental investing, we saw that it was anywhere from three to 10x that return. Yeah. Yeah. So so that really um that really got our attention. And so we started off with short-term rental investing and we haven't looked back since. And so what is short-term investing, short-term rental investing? And then do you use a system like Airbnb or another type of host? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We use Airbnb, Verbo. We use a Furnish Finder, corporate housing by owner. I'm a girl who loves diversification. I'm not loyal to just one way of hosting. We also use our direct booking site as well. So we use a whole host of things in order to get our properties marketed to as many eyes as possible. That is the goal. Um, and so you mentioned about 3X, 10X. Do you find yourself... How are you able to remotely uh, manage these properties? 
So, you know, as I mentioned before, I'm a busy girl, right? I've got my W-2, I'm still in healthcare. I've got kids, I've got my husband, I've got, you know, my own um, education that I'm providing for and in real estate investing for others. And so for me, remote investing has been um, really delegating, you know, delegating to a team that over time I've trained. So you have to delegate to elevate is my philosophy. And so I start off with just one VA and then one cleaner and then expanding. Um, we're up to five VAs now and 10 cleaners. And so that's in a particular market. In different markets, we use different um, processes and workflows. So, yeah. Okay. And so what, what are the roles of these virtual assistants? Yeah, that's a great question. So within the Airbnb business, um, the role, I have four in my Airbnb business and I've got one in my digital assets business. So the four in my Airbnb business, they're in charge of um, guest communications uh, for the most part, um, concierge services, which is more guest communications, um, as well as helping with booking different additional add-ons that we can provide. Uh, we have one that's in charge of um, just optimizing the calendar. So uh, he would look every day on the calendar if there are holes and things like that. He would work to optimize and get those holes filled through uh, different marketing campaigns that we have in place. So um, that's one of the roles. Um, of course, when our cleaning team walks into a property, their first step is to inspect to see what's missing or what's damaged. So we mm -hmm. have a resolutions VA that's going to take care of the resolutions immediately. When it comes to the short-term rentals, uh, do you spike up your rates based off of maybe uh, events that may be happening locally? Yes, definitely. So I don't do it manually per se. We use an algorithm and a, a, a robot essentially, similar to what the airlines and the hotels use. And so it's a dynamic pricing tool and a couple of them, as well as a, we're looking at a human that's also kind of helping out with that. Um, so they, they look at the dynamic pricing and the pricing is set within the system based on the number of bedrooms and the number of um, vacancies in the area. So I don't manually, but I know a lot of people who manually do it. Again, I'm a busy girl, right? So I'm gonna- No, yeah, no, get the help to elevate, right like you said. And so with your, with your prices, um, I know you said you have a bot, uh, you know, pretty much managing that. But earlier I spoke about how the prices for a lot of the biggest complaint now is that Airbnb, we'll just use Airbnb as an example. Airbnb yeah. prices are pretty much equal to hotels or more versus when it, the thing that made Airbnb so attractive in the beginning was that it was cheaper than having a hotel. And so uh, when it comes to your bot and, and its algorithm, how are you able to determine what prices are, I guess you could say, uh, encourage the most traffic? Yeah, absolutely. So you can definitely set your minimums and your maximums okay. on the bot. And so your minimums, your absolute floor, like, okay, if, if you know, everything falls apart, what's the lowest I'm willing to accept? If everything is you know, shut down or something, what's the lowest I'm willing to accept? And once you've set your floor, the bot knows that it cannot go beyond that lowest rate. And then once you've set the ceiling, it knows not to go above that rate. And to be honest, I don't set a ceiling, I just set a floor. And so the thing is, as a human being, there's no way that I'm going to know that, you know, Oprah Winfrey's coming in to do a book signing next door, right? Mm -hmm. The bot will check that. And when they know that, it knows to update the pricing to reflect a major event so that we can have an opportunity to capture it. And so, uh, I, and I see the struggle and I totally can relate. My asset class, uh, for the most part, uh, are five to eight bedroom homes. Okay. And that, that's going to be my asset class. I do have a couple arbitrage um, that I recently started and those are going well, and those are going to be priced very much, you know, related to the market, very much lower than the five to eight bedrooms. Course, so yeah. I don't think that those, I feel like you can more closely compare them to the hotel uh, rates and they do. And we, we, we're almost lockstep. Um, we may be, we may be just around lockstep, but these are two bedroom uh, units. So still we are going to be more cost-effective than a, than a hotel because it's, they are two 
two bedrooms, two bathrooms. Um, however, the five bedroom to eight bedrooms, they're not going to be anywhere near, you know, what a hotel rate would be. Of course. Have, yeah. Yeah. That so you those need, are, you can't lose on those. Right. And so if five family members are splitting that unit, you know, it's still going to be more cost effective than a hotel, but it's, if you're going to get five bedrooms in a hotel, so you get full kitchen amenities, privacy, and the biggest trend we're seeing, honestly, people want to be in spacious spaces and off the beaten path, yeah. you know, and that that's a big trend we're seeing, especially in the luxury short-term rental um, space. And so, yeah, I've seen the pricing go up. I can tell you a couple of contributing factors to that is because um, there are new rules and new mandates around uh, regulations and new taxes being assessed, you're going to see those show up as well. So before when there were no taxes or there were no, you know, occupancy taxes, we are treated like a hotel in many, mm-hmm. um, in many uh, areas due to new ordinances. So those occupancy, occupancy taxes are going to affect, um, affect the pricing that you're going to see. And earlier you mentioned about you had, you just got into arbitrage. Uh, short-term rentals. And so can you explain to the audience what that is? Yeah, absolutely. So there are really, I'll say there are four ways to host in the short-term rental world. Okay. There are four ways to host. Number one, you can be a landlord host where you purchase a home, you rent it as a short-term rental and you market it on Airbnb, Verbo, Booking.com, Expedia. So this is a home you own. The second way to host is going to have a a smaller barrier to entry price-wise. So if you're purchasing a home, the first way to host, you're probably gonna need 10, 20% down on the home. That's gonna be the most expensive way to enter. However, I will tell you, you're gonna have the greatest profits in that um, uh, scenario for the most part. The second way um, is going to be to rent a property from a homeowner or rent a property from an apartment uh, through your business. And so once you have set up your business, your corporation, and you rent that property through your business, um, and then you can then host other travelers to the property, you're not the occupant, you're not staying there, you're not renting it under your name, they're not going to, you know, necessarily background check you, they're going to background check the business They're but they recognize that you are not the occupant. So once you rent it that way, you hold the master lease and you hold control of that unit you can then rent it to traveling professionals or anyone who's traveling to the area. So that is arbitrage, essentially. The third way to host, and and I will tell you, there is, you know, opportunity there for sure. Uh, You start off paying your first and last month's rent, a couple of deposit, maybe a few fees here and there. No more than $5,000, I wouldn't think, to get started in terms of those types of fees. And then, of course, you would furnish the property. The third way to host is uh, through property management co-hosting. And I'll just focus on the co-hosting because the property management, there's a lot of legality that uh, comes with it, such as you would have to be a realtor in that state um, a lot of the times, and it just depends. So let's just focus on co-hosting. So co-hosting is going to be the smallest barrier to entry. You essentially start with zero money in the game. Okay, you're partnering with a homeowner. Say there's a homeowner who has their property on Airbnb. They're not quite, you know, you know, generating good revenue. They don't have time to really communicate with the guests. You come alongside of them and you partner with them. You're on top of the communication. You're on top of their pricing strategy. You're on top of the guests, you know, satisfaction. You help with the design of the space, reorganize things, but they're the ones who invested in the property and you would break off a percentage of the revenue that comes in every month, say 10 to 35% depending on your level and your lift. So those are the top three ways to to host in the short-term rental arena. Uh, When it comes to subleasing or leasing underneath your business name, have you had any issues with uh, landlords or um, realty companies uh, allowing that, allowing you to sublease underneath and and host uh, guests? So let's be really careful with subleasing the terminology. So I don't know all the background um, with it, but subleasing is not legal in a lot of states. So what we're we're doing is not subleasing. What we're doing is holding a master lease, which is different. 
And okay. so you go in as a corporation and you're a corporate housing solution, essentially. Okay. Gotcha. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. So it, it, you, you do have to set up yourself. You have to get your branding together. You wouldn't go in and say, Hey, I want to, you know, just rent this apartment and I'm going to Airbnb it. Okay. That's a great way to get kicked out of that, you, you know, okay, okay. Um, th that office. So you definitely want to do your homework and you want to have all your ducks in a row to make sure that you're approaching the property manager in a way that's the most professional because yeah, a lot of people struggle. I hear it every day. I've called, you know, 32 apartments and they've all told me, look, no, I've called 27 apartments and they've all told me no. And it's, I think it's because a lot of us, when we enter, we may not have the experience and we may not have the resources or the, um, anyone who's mastered it. We, we didn't really get that education in order to, you know, really properly present property properly present ourselves as you know an asset to that property manager because when you have these empty apartments right why would they not want to rent it to you you know so put yourself in their shoes they wouldn't want to rent it to you if they think you're just going to go and slap it on a platform and there's going to be parties and ragers and then it's, it's going to be destroyed mm. right because when you turn on the news the most highlighted airbnbs are the ones where there are shootouts Right. So that's the last thing that they need is someone bringing in, you know, a party or someone bringing in a disturbance. Right. So, when you, yeah. So when you present yourself in a way that's very professional, um, it's it's going to be very likely that you will get a yes unless, you know, there's something else going on, unless they have certain rules around uh, short term rentals altogether. So I have not experienced any no's. I've only gotten yeses. <laughs> Awesome. And it's, it's because I know the value that I can provide to the property. I know, you know, how much I care. I know how much, you know, I've the training that I receive in order to, you know, present myself in a way that's going to be an asset. Awesome. I, and thank you for uh, explaining it to put things in perspective. Like, hey, this is not something you just step in and just say, hey, like, this is what I'm going to do. Uh, it sounds pretty easy. Uh, there are proper steps, procedures, and things you have to comply with in order to be successful. But uh, I love the returns. Uh, the, it's, it's fairly easy. You know, if somebody's doing $100 a day and you add in your rent, let's say your rent is $1,500 and you're averaging $100 and at least 25 days out of the year, I mean, out of the month, then that's $2,500 and your rent's $1,500. So, uh, Awesome. You can't really, you can't really beat that. And that's probably me being very um, generous because probably if you're paying 1500, at least in this area, I could probably easily charge 150 a mm. night actually in my area. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. 135 at the minimum. Yes. So that's for easy math. Uh, you yeah. can use you. And obviously like you, like what you were explaining, you do delegate. So you do have to break up some of the, uh, you know, pro profits, but don't let that uh, people that are listening, don't let that discourage you from still uh, delegating certain tasks because it allows you to work on more things and, and elevate. Like you say, I'm going to start. I'm going to use that over and over again. Delegate, and elevate. <laughs> uh, it allows you to continue to grow because the common theme here and that we've said in multiple episodes is that it's better to work on your business vice in your business. Uh, you will not see growth. You'll be have you'll have a, a, a pretty much a plateau and you'll never reach anything higher. So that's a skill in itself, you being able to delegate and manage uh, those individuals. And that's why I was asking like, hi, how are you able to manage this remotely? Cause I know you're not boots on ground every day, you know, and no. with a, a high vir uh, virtual assistance, which is key. Uh, which by the way, what, uh, what platform were you able to find the uh, virtual assistance through uh, fever or how were you able to find them? Um, yeah, that's a great question. So uh, I love the working on your business and not in your business for sure, because you know what? Honestly, I try to hire my own virtual assistants, right? And that became a full-time job in and of itself. Because guess what? My superpower is not human resources and everyone looks great on a resume, right? 
So how do we really know that this resume is going to translate into a good work? And then, and then if your resume is not that great, how do we know that you're not going to be a good fit? And so I found myself, you know, I hired myself for another job, essentially, and that is an HR rep. And so after a few failed attempts of hiring my own virtual assistant, I went to a staffing company um, and there are a couple out there. There is onlinejobs.ph, onlinejobs.ph and virtual staff finder. And those were really great resources. And so these are folks who that's their expertise. When they know what it is that you're trying to do, they can pretty much match you with a few virtual assistants. And so we got matched with two, um, no, we got matched with three and you get three for a one-time fee and then they're out of the equation after that. And, and what I did was, you know, and you're, you're always worried about revenue and you're always worried about, you know, are you going to have enough to pay them and those things? But I put them all three on a, on a part-time basis, almost like a little bit of a competition. Let's see which three of you can really pick up and which will work. Two of the three worked. One um, is a manager, and then the other one is an assistant uh, manager, and then they were able to onboard two more. Oh, and okay. And, so and they brought, them. Oh, oh, okay. And was that a part of that program, or that's something you came up with? That's something I came up with. I was like, okay, this is going great. We're growing. I need more people like you. And so, yeah, one had a relative that was looking, and then they trained them and it's been going well. Of course, you know, there are bumps in the road and you have to come up with your processes and systems in order to evaluate um, from a very objective perspective. Okay, here are the seven things we're supposed to accomplish this week. Where are we, you know, were we able oh, yeah. to accomplish them? So that kind of thing. So it's very comprehensive, but yeah. And so they 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 brought in a few more and then it's been fantastic. So as far as the communication, and I love the guest communication piece, but I had to take myself out of that just because it was taking up so much time. There's so many things that I said, okay, I'm going to do real quick. I forgot what it was. I was doing something in Canva. I was going to stick something onto something after three hours, you know, I was like, what am I doing? You know, my talent and my superpower is better doing, you know, the vision, you know, growing the business, not necessarily some of that stuff, even though I do find it to be fun, but, you know, let's talk about a time efficiency perspective. Yes. And so definitely the guest communication, the only time uh, I got a message about a guest in the last couple of weeks was, oh, someone had left a gun in the unit and wanted us to mail it. <laughs> so those things get escalated mm. to me. <laughs> not <sure>. happening. <laughs> Like and so I'll on. give you a good example of that. So when I started Rich State of Mind and when I started our real estate investment company, Strong Home Properties, I did a lot of things manually. I, I built the website. I found the property managers before I com completely converted all of our units over to us. And a lot of it was hands-on because I wanted to touch it. It was my baby. But what I find myself with doing was I spent a month creating the website. I found myself pretty much every day having to something to do with our rental properties, calling somebody, calling a lawyer, calling a plumber, something like that. And now that we've gotten more mature and definitely thanks to COVID, right? Because COVID definitely um, had a lot of entrepreneurs pivot. And speaking of entrepreneurship, I wanted to make sure before I go further into my story, that's what I like about entrepreneurship is you're, you cre you're creating jobs, by the way. And that's what I love about it. But uh, back to the story. So fast forward a couple of years and now it's you talked about Canva, right? So I create my YouTube thumbnails through Canva mm -hmm. and it doesn't take too long. But what I am doing is an ebook. I'm, I'm writing my first book and you can make it in Canva. And I was looking at it, playing around with it, with all, with all the words that I had typed. I said, I'm not doing this. Yeah, I'm not. I'll pay the 200 bucks for my editor to edit the book. And then, you know, we'll do enough marketing to make sure we get a return on investment and I can spend my time doing something else. And so I do believe in 
knowing a little bit about whatever that topic or task is so that you know what expectations are. So when my editor, my website editor comes back, I know what coding and what things he needs to do in order to make it right. It's just, I don't have the time. And there's a couple of things that even I don't know how to do because that's just not my field at all. I'm strictly through YouTube University and trial by error on building a website. But it does, I do appreciate the time I did put in so when it comes to our articles, it comes to our video editing, our audio editing, stuff like that, I'm able to like, no, that's not what it's supposed to be like. It's supposed to be like this. And uh, man, it's it's really cool to hear how I really like that, how you you got two guys that really have are starting to expand things for you uh, through proper training and your due diligence, uh, because you are like I said, you're working on your business and it allows you to do other things now because now, like we'll speak about later, you're building uh, your own luxury beach rental from the ground up. Uh, so what I wanted to go to was uh, I want people to know, how did you get your first short term rental? Uh, how did you purchase it? Yeah, so it was a funny story. Actually, we were looking to get started. started. Like I said, we just said, OK, we're going to go short term rental. So we're looking everywhere. We're speaking to people. We're trying to find the deal of the century. I'm a frugal girl by nature. So I'm looking for the deal of the century. So we got an alert from a wholesaler. There was a house um, in Alabama. So it was uh, two hours away. And so as we start to head over, we're talking to the homeowner, we're asking questions. It was a little three bedroom house, you know, a thousand square feet. It looks super cute. I was like, oh, this is going to be awesome. The sun was glistening, you know, over the top of it in this picture. And then the trees, everything just was perfect. And so as we are approaching the property, I'm like, okay, this is all right, this is looking like <laughs> underdeveloped country. Like I'm from an underdeveloped country, so I can tell you. And we get to the property and talk about a bait and switch. The roof had was sinking in. There was caulking <laughs> literally dripping from oh, wow. every corner of the property. Like it was put together. It looks like, like by caulking or something. And it was like, holy smokes. And so my husband's heading uh, to the door to knock on the door. I'm like, don't knock on the door. Don't knock. Go get in the car. Go, go, go run. And so that's where the light bulb went off for me. And part of it is you want to know what your goals are. You want to know what you want, but you also want to know what you don't want, right? So I always thought, uh, you know, just based on watching all of the shows, oh, yeah, I'm going to be fixing and flipping and this and that. No. I'm not a fix and flip girl. That's not for me just because I know that there is a level of a lift with that, right? A huge oh, lift yeah. comes with it, a whole property man, like project management lift. And I managed tons of projects. And so I, I just was not ready for that at that time. And we were looking for something. And my goal was turnkey because I wanted the yeah. first month's rent to be paid by someone else. That was my goal. And there was no way that that was going to happen. That house was a cross between, okay, complete gut or demolish, right? Oh, wow. <laughs> it's not going to take 30 to 60 days at all. And so I'm looking for something that in 30 to 60 days, we're ready to list it. And so we, at that point, we just gave up. We said, you know what? We still had a little bit more debt to pay off. Let's focus on that you know, the end that next morning, there was an alert, a Zillow alert. And it within our neighborhood, 0.2 miles away, like in our backyard, pretty much um, the house prices are higher in our neighborhood, but this house was more than, it was about $200,000 less than um, the home values. And we were like, what? And so within minutes, we placed it under contract. We called the realtor. We said, we want to place this under contract. And when we called, um, they actually um, had seven others who had called and, and wanted to place it under contract. And this was in 2019 when we started. And so once we placed it under contract, we well, there are others that made offers, but we placed it under contract because we, we asked for nothing. We told them we want absolutely nothing. We were very familiar yeah. with the area. So we knew that, oh my gosh, you know, we paid for closing costs. We want nothing. And so we, we pretty much won. And so we purchased the home and, um, and 
30 days, 60 days later, we had our first guest and really the rest is history because this is a house. It did need some work. It needed a new roof that cost us $10,000 and it needed carpet It needed paint. And that was it. So for us, that was not too heavy of a lift at all. And so we figured out how to get in there. And that really started off the journey for us. So you have a home that has uh, equity. You have a, you own a home that has equity in it. It's gaining value over time. And then mm-hmm. also you are, uh, what's the what's the mortgage? And then what's your, or just tell me, what's your multiply? Is it 2X, t- uh, 3X? Yeah, so it's at about 4X for that property. See, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. And you were able to turn that around and you said in 60 days. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is, which is a spick in the time that you will be able to use that asset. Yeah. Absolutely. And, uh, that's awesome because, because the cool thing we um, listened to a podcast on bigger pockets, they were talking about arbitrage and then also people that just buy, you know, put the 20% down and buy it out. Um, some people use the FHA loan and say they're going to live there, whatever the case may be. Right. And they were saying that when it comes to arbitrage, you can you can get yourself out of your, your job. If you don't like your job, you can use that niche or that category in short-term rentals in order to replace your income. But investing in a property that you own it, you have a property that's appreciating value and you're making money. Because what I can do with that house now, let's just say you let's just say you have 100 grand of equity in that home. Mm-hmm. I can use that 100 grand now take out a HELOC, which is a home equity line of credit, and use that to buy my next spot to, to short-term rental that place as well. Yep, and, then, and that's what we did. That's what we did. Uh, that's exactly what we did. Yeah, and it's, it's been incredible. The next property is actually one that um, is featured on TV so that we just completed the filming for that. Oh, so it's, that's, what, that's what's up. Yeah, yeah, so 2022. So that one was incredible. And of course your mileage may vary, but what was incredible about it is when we purchased the property, it um, was generating 1800 a month in um, long-term rental revenue. And one of the months based, and you know, one thing too, to note that we have um, the filming industry in Georgia now. So we had a really big time executive that um, wanted to rent. And it was around a time where the, there was a lot of demand so it generated 28,000 in one of the months and it, it was incredible. And so that one got featured on TV just as a, you know, investment property on, on a show that, you know, I can't disclose anything about until due to my NDA, but it's, it's really incredible. It has, it has an opportunity to really change your life, short-term rentals. It really does. And I was not a big proponent for the arbitrage until I learned about it. And I I saw the value there and I find it to be a way to kind of diversify, especially when the market has spiked in the home values. Like, you know, you're not going to be buying eight houses a month. I don't think maybe you can, (laughs) you're finding deals. I'm not finding deals that are within my budget right now. So because of that, you know, I'm leveraging arbitrage. I'm leveraging co-hosting even, you know, why not? Because I'm a girl that's always looking for a deal. If I'm not making an offer on something, I don't feel like I'm alive, you know, so I'm looking for my next deal. And so arbitrage has really quenched that for me. So I'm, I'm having yeah, a blast yeah. with it. And, and I like I'm the fact that you mentioned that too. I like the fact that you mentioned that because you pivoted as a entrepreneur, you recognize, Hey, look, inflation, the market right now is completely oversaturated. Um, so how can I still create, you know, create business? I can go in this route. And you can use the income that you make to eventually put down money on another spot because it kind of, explain this to me. You're not really paying for, well, you're not paying for, are you paying for water for these places? Are you, they, not really, you know, they kind of rope, loop it in. So you're not really paying for water, no. And then no, you're not worried about major repairs. No, which is the not homeowners this insurance. morning. I literally hit something on the app that said maintenance request. I was like, oh. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. So like, you don't. Maintenance is what gets you, right? Maintenance yes. is what keeps you alive. Yes. I love yeah, maintenance, that. Maintenance. Uh, so I'm, I have gotten past it, but the beginning for my house was yes. 
Maintenance Same. is a thorn in my side. So me too. Me too. For that, the properties we own, maintenance is a thorn in my side. So for the arbitrage, like, oh, I can get used to this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I can see how that pivot ended up working out for you very well, and how the pretty much expense to revenue or net profit is pretty wide. Yeah. Because you're Absolutely. not worried about that stuff. Absolutely. And why not diversify within this asset class? So short-term rentals that you're owning, right? Short-term rentals that you're arbitraging and short-term rentals that you're co-hosting. And so when I talk about experience, it's not that I had 80 years of experience arbitraging, not at all. You know, say you have a house hack that you manage it like a professional. Wouldn't you be able to leverage that and show a property manager at an apartment that you understand what hosting looks like and you understand what getting into this looks like. And then you partner with someone who probably has the credibility, but you know, sometimes it's not even them wanting to see that you have years and years of experience in the industry, but is there an industry that you're a part of right now that you're probably, you know, say you're in, you know, a physical therapy assistant, for instance, and you manage scheduling, you know how to manage things, leverage your experience in other arenas to propel you forward, even in real estate investing, find a way to leverage that because you can speak to what it would take to provide a good customer experience, good customer service. And that's essentially what you want to be known for. You want to kind of be known for that person in the area who's going to be the contact, the go-to person for that area for furnished clean, um, great accommodations for the traveling professionals. Uh, so speaking of furnish, do you rent out your front, uh, your furniture or do you purchase? I purchase, um, I've seen the rent model. I don't quite, um, I haven't seen the numbers. I haven't evaluated them enough. So I purchase, we purchase all of our furnishings. I can't say I purchase anything new to be honest with you. Oh, and yeah. So, yeah. So even yesterday I was looking at um, an auction. Uh, I use auction sites for model homes that are, um, you know, they're auctioning off the furniture because I do like that luxury feel and that luxury look, but on a budget. So I use auction sites. I use estate sales in really high end neighborhoods. And I, I just go in and make them an offer and tell them close the door. I'll, I'm buying everything. And so that works too. So yeah, I like really high-end furniture, but I'm not buying them in a store. All right. So uh, what is your best performing uh, short-term rental? Yeah, I would say our best performing short-term rental is actually one in our own backyard. So we have properties that we're co-hosting and managing in the Poconos of Pennsylvania. We have the one in Georgia um, that, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, was a part of the movie industry. Um, rental. So that one is actually the best performing short-term rental. We have a, a plot of land that is in Florida on the panhandle. And so right now that's a hot place to be near Destin. And so we're getting some crazy offers on that a lot as well. But yeah, our best performing short-term rental is the one that we have uh, in Georgia. That is, um, it's a six bedroom, uh, three and a half bathroom, and what I love about it and what I love about the properties that I look for, I always, I'm always looking for a property that would be, um, is like a multi in one way, shape or form. So if it's a house with a casita or a house with a carriage or a house with a finished basement with its own entry, uh, that is yeah. the type of property that I like because what I can do with something like that is set it up to generate um, three different lines of business. So the main house is one line, the little house is another line, and the whole package is a third line. And of course, everything's full disclosure. You want everyone to know that there's someone else in the other portions, but if they do want the whole package, it's going to be a, a package deal. It's going to be a little bit more uh, of a premium pricing for that. So that one is our, our best performing. Uh, the monthly mortgage on that one is about 2,500 or so a month. And it's the average um, monthly rent that we generate on it is about 20,000. So anywhere from 15 to 28,000. So about 22,000 on that. That's promo. awesome. And you just mm -hmm. gave me an idea. There's, there's uh, one of my friends, they have a house. I want to say mm -hmm. it's about five bedroom, four bath. Mm -hmm. And they have a downstairs basement that is the size 
it's the downstairs basement is probably about 1300 square feet wow and it's big enough to where i can have a kitchen it has a bathroom down there already and then it has the it go it has a back uh it's in the back the back the entrance is the backyard you can go down the stairs and you can kind of come around the house and go down the stairs and all you got to do is just arrange the door to where it has like maybe a keypad on it to where they Mm -hmm. have to enter it and you now you have the five bedroom, four bath upstairs that you could rent out for obviously a great price. And then mm-hmm. you got your 1300 square foot apartment downstairs that you could also- or apartment, yeah. Yeah. And so that, you got my mind kind of turning on that one because now you can yeah. turn one, one house into kind of two different streams of income or like you said, three. Well, I have a dear friend of mine who's a solo mom. And so she and her daughter, you know, they were looking at purchasing a home and she's looking at how to get her financial independence. And so something we talked about was it's it's daunting to buy a little bit of a bigger house when you are, you know, when all the responsibility lies on you. But, you know, putting that bug in her head, I will tell you, she heeded my advice And now she lives in the top portion of that home that's similar to your friend. She has um, nurses and traveling nurses, traveling radiology in the basement. And guess what? She lives mortgage-free. So she went bigger to save money, so to speak. And it's weird. Yeah, it's weird. But it's only, I find this in this luxury short-term rental space or in this short-term rental space where, and it's a mindset shift, you're lifestyle, these lifestyle expenses can actually become assets. We're always told a boat is not, I have a coaching program where I have helped people put boats as short-term rentals, boats as short-term rentals. So a boat was something we, we were taught, right? That's a waste of money. Well, now it's paying for itself. It's, it's standing on its two feet and then it's generating a bit of an income. So it's like, an RV is a toy. It's 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 not something you want to buy. It's not savvy. It's not smart because you're throwing money away. Well, guess what? There's entire you know short term rentals that are RVs. There's an, a whole RV park. You know, oh, wow. so these lifestyle assets can actually you know be you know profit generating additional profit generating streams. So for sure. And we're kind of we're kind of creeping into the accessory dwelling unit niche where a lot of people in maybe places like Atlanta, New York, uh, Los Angeles, California, where they may not a lot, you know, obviously in those metropolitan areas, the homes are like this far apart from each other. And for those that can't see me, I'm, I got like two centimeters away from my hand. So uh, but accessory d- uh, dwelling units are definitely encouraged because now. I am able to uh, provide a housing, which is always a shortage, especially in those areas. Well, affordable housing, I will right. say, is always a problem in metropolitan areas like that. And so my yeah. 1,200 square foot, two bedroom, one bath dwelling unit behind my house or maybe beneath my house, somebody can now live in a decent neighborhood for an affordable yeah. price. And Absolutely. maybe it's cutting my mortgage in half I mean, to your friends, wow, she's paying her completely her whole mortgage off. But to some, to most, hey, if you're at least paying half my mortgage, I'm happy uh, with that ADU. So this is this is it's pretty cool. Uh, if obviously you have to be comf- comfortable, and I know for uh, I've definitely presented to my wife a few times, and it's like definitely something to to uh, get people used to, because people like their personal space, right? And so. <laughs> Uh, it's definitely a interesting topic. It kind of reminds me of um, those Uber drivers. I've, I've seen Uber drivers where female Uber drivers, where they will, they don't drive at night. If they do, it's with another woman. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I can imagine uh, the safety aspect of how some people feel when it comes to that. But I know that there are certain ways to uh, protect yourself. And then obviously you screen these individuals as well. Uh, to make sure Absolutely. that you are safe. Because I know that's some, that's some people's concern, but I've heard more and good stories than bad funny. stories with this. It's funny you would say that because you just reminded me, my family were anti this, just totally against it when we first got started. But afterwards, like, oh, okay. You know, when the 
guess, and I'm a pet friendly accommodations, and that's something I'm going to be talking about in masterclass coming up soon. Uh, people want to travel with their pets, end of story. And so that's how we stand out. But when you have a guest that comes with the cutest little dog, and you see the little dog in the yard every time, my kids who are like, absolutely not, they fall in love, you know? And so definitely you screen, you screen, you screen. But yes, my family was against it at first. But when they saw that there was more, like you said, good than negative. Uh, oh yeah, they're, they're all for it. They're all for it now. So for sure, I'm, I love a house hack. There's, there isn't a house hack <laughs> that, you know, I try to house hack everything. I think uh, my, my niece, she just uh, went to, just dropped her off to college and she ended up with a two bedroom unit I was like oh who's living here she's like no I was like okay we're listing this bad boy tonight (laughs) (laughs) for sure but of course taking all the precautions because I'm very very you know concerned about safety as well so there are ways Mm -hmm. to do the screening to ensure that your people who are coming into your home are are the right people exactly and so earlier I talked about um you building a luxury beach rental from scratch. And so my first question would be is, are you using a turnkey slash builder company? What explain your process um, with being able to build something like this? Yeah. So I feel like our stories always take a turn, right? So we went into this area and I'm a numbers girl. I'm an, I'm super analytical and I wanted to identify for myself, where are the areas, vacation rental areas that are operating at the highest level? Okay. Because I think it was a knee jerk reaction of working, you know, 60, 80, hundred hours a week. I wanted to find that one property that would retire me. So my goal is a little bit different from a lot of other investors. I do have door envy. When someone tells me they have a hundred doors, I'm like, ah! you know, but really my goal is how do I operate the least amount of properties that generate the highest profitability? So I doubt you'll ever see me as a hundred door girl, probably eight door, you know, we're at 20 doors between all of the assets right now, uh, both owned, operated, managed, um, arbitrage. So probably one or two more um, in the next couple of years. So we're doing, you know, that's the level we're operating in. So I identified this one area in in, uh, the panhandle of Florida that was operating at like an astronomical level. I wanted to stay on the East Coast because my family's here down in Florida. And so when I found this land, um, when, when I went there, I went to purchase a condo, you know, I was thinking lowest barrier to entry. Um, however, I had a lot of struggle overcoming the um, HOA fees. And so, and I just kept looking and I kid you not, the lending barriers became more and more prevalent because with condos, there are so many rules. So many lenders aren't able to lend on condos because um, if a unit or if a building has more than 30% that are short-term rentals, then that building has lost its FHA certification or something of that. There's a percentage. And so now I have to deal with um, commercial lenders and I have to deal with portfolio lenders and I have to deal with bigger down payments, bigger interest rates. And I'm a girl, I love cash reserve. If you're going to empty my bank account for a deal, I don't sleep well at night, right? And so that's where I was. And finally, my uh, realtor, and it's so important to have a good realtor in that particular market. My realtor back home, I wouldn't ask them to advise me on a property out of state, right? Mm -hmm. So I found a great realtor through recommendations in that particular market. And he says, why don't you buy this piece of land? And I'm like, land? No, I'm, I'm trying to buy something turnkey. And he just kept hyping it, hyping it. He sent me some specs. He goes, this land. So we we finally, he showed me three condos. We found one that I like that was like, I want to say the numbers were astronomical, over half a million, just astronomical numbers. But we're going to try to push through and make it happen, you know, 
mom and dad would chip in, whatever, we're going to make it happen. But I just couldn't sleep at night. It was a condo, the HOA, monthly HOA at that point was 1100 a month. So after you pay your mortgage, you still have this $1,100 a month. And so I I had a hard time with it, but the land was 120,000. I was like, oh, okay. But what would we do with it? So it was in a new community, newly developed. Um, Well, it was developed years ago, but it was coming, making a comeback. All of the lots that were there that weren't sold um, after the crash, they were starting to get sold and it was beautiful. It was, um, it still feels underdeveloped. There's so many trees and it just was beautiful. I just, I drove through, um, there was not a specific law I was looking at at the time it was raining. I drove there. I was like, oh my gosh, this looks great. Double gated community. And, and so I put an offer on it and we got it and we purchased it. We worked with an architect. It's a custom home. We worked with an architect. We drew it out and we have, so it's going to be a main house with a, with a carriage house, um, a one, one bedroom carriage house uh, in the back. And I mean, I think it's going to be incredible. So with COVID though, finding um, contractors, finding the builder, all of that, finding the materials to build all that took so much time. So it is a slow process, but I really think that's going to be uh, the shift that I'm going to move towards just because when you're in this space, you know, in order to kind of, I guess, reduce your CapEx, your capital expenditures, in terms of having to fix a whole bunch of things, you know, when you have a new construction, it's not that everything's perfect. And I've seen where it's not perfect, but that's going to reduce your, your CapEx. Um, oh yeah, for sure. Because you know, that, that roof is new. You didn't have to spend $10,000 to get a repair. Mm-hmm. You built yeah. it up and uh, it's good for 20 years or so. Uh, I think I can see how this could be your next thing that you stick to because it's uh, yeah. even though, yes, you do spend up money, you know, permits and putting the money down and buying the land and stuff like that. You can't sleep good at night knowing that you don't have to worry about the piping being a hundred years old. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I I'm having fun with it for the most part. So we'll see how it goes. It's going longer. And that's something I always tell people. It's, it's always like twice the time they tell you it's going to take and 30% more the money they tell you it's going to cost. Yes, this is true. Yeah. Uh, what what's your website? I want people to be able to go to your website for your booking. Sure, sure. So um, go to www.shorttermgems.com. That's www.shorttermgems.com. S-H-O-R-T-T-E-R-M-G-E-M-S.com. And do you have any social media links or social media handles that you... Uh want to uh, promote? Yeah, yeah, I absolutely do. So on Instagram, you can find me at short term gems. That's short S H O R T dot T E R M dot G E M S on uh, Instagram. And on Facebook, I actually have a a Facebook community of a thousand other luxury short term investors that I manage that group. So we have fun talking about deals in there, talking about struggles, like in the Poconos, when bears get into the trash, which is a thing. And so <laughs> definitely it's called luxury rental investing for financial independence. So that's luxury real estate investing for financial independence. So it's a long one, but I'll send you the link for sure. Yes, definitely. And then also, finally, what is your rich state of mind? What is your big why as to why somebody who spent as much time and money on your degree in you know, a, a great uh, career path, by the way, you mm-hmm. decided to uh, transition into the real estate investing uh, world. Uh, what is your big why on that? My big why is that I was tired after years and years, like I mentioned before, paying off student loans, tired of trading my time for money, uh, looking for that time freedom so that I can set my own schedule, do what I want to do when I want to do it. And so for me, it's the time freedom to spend with my family, to spend with my loved ones. Some of them are aging at this point. And so for me, my biggest why is is definitely the time freedom. Awesome. And 
definitely, like I said, return on your investment, trading time for money, working on your business, not in your business. These are some key things that uh, people, I, I think people get stuck at and they probably, it probably gets stuck to the point they get frustrated and they quit doing something that they were going to really love if they just worked a little smarter and not harder uh, in certain uh, categories. So I, I appreciate that you brought up these particular um, thought process and different uh, ways that you are able to elevate your business to give people the idea like, okay, I am using 20 hours of my time messing around with Canva. How can I outsource, you know, do I got another $5, you know, Hey, cause I know on people on fever, they only charge $5 for a thumbnail. So do I have $5 spent on a feet on a thumbnail? So I can use that extra 30 minutes to probably read and maybe do some research on, on something else that I need to do. Uh, so just keep that in mind uh, for those that are looking into growing their business, being entrepreneurs and whatever you want to do, because this is something that is across the board. It's not just in regards to real estate investing, uh, anything when it comes to business, you need to be able in order to grow. You need to be able to know how to manage, how to lead, how to delegate and keep people on on board with the tasks, because I know, you know, weekly meetings and you have, hey, look, what's the status of such and such? And then that uh, I hate the long pause. Oh, uh. Yeah, let me check my email. Like, come on. Like, we talked about this last week. Uh, <laughs> that's one of my pet peeves. <laughs> so <laughs> thank you so much, Rachel. This has been, this is a gem, uh, you know, no pun intended on your, uh, your handle. But this episode is a gem because it's something new. And I think it's a great way people can get into real estate investing without spending boatloads of cash. Like you mentioned, you know, maybe $5,000 paying first month's rent, last month's rent and obviously maybe security deposit and you're in there and you don't, and you just press a button to request for maintenance, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, great. I think this is, this has been awesome, Rachel. Thank you so much. It is a pleasure. And thank you for having me. This was such a blast. Thank you for sticking with us from the start of the episode. Please share our show with friends and family, visit our YouTube channel, and view more of our content on richstateofmind.com. See you next week on the Rich State of Mind show.